Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, and verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Are you ready to receive the word some more? <laughs> uh, okay, two people are. Are you ready to receive the word? Yes. Amen. Right. So you decide whether you receive it or not. You don't have to believe anything we say. You don't have to believe anything God says. But you have the opportunity to believe. And to him that believes, all things are possible to the one that believes. That means I could sit right down here next to Sharon, and I could choose not to believe, and she could choose to believe, and she could receive, and I could wonder why am I not receiving? Because it's the one that believes that receives. Anyone, anyone, anywhere, anytime. Jesus said, we'll get over there in Mark chapter 9, but let's just fast forward to chapter 11. Jesus said in verse 22, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Lay hold of God's kind of faith or the God kind of faith or grab hold of the faithfulness of God. Do you know God is a faithful God? Do you know God is a miracle-working God? Do you know God has things planned for your life that he has been hindered from allowing you to receive because you haven't been able to receive it? He's not going to force you. I mean, if he was the kind of God that forced you, why in the world would he not force every single person on the face of the earth to receive Jesus as Lord and be stripped of their dead condition and receive the very life of God? You think you love more than he loves? You don't love more than he loves. The only love that you actually have that is really love that you can really love with comes from him. And you can't love others until you, you yourself first receive and embrace his own love for you. So Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. That's the Greek word pistis. Have pistis in God. Or have faith, have the faith of God. Or operate in God's own faith. And then he said, who, in King James, whosoever. Who is whosoever? Whosoever means you, means anybody. If, you know, we probably say today, have faith in God. Anybody who says to this mountain, anybody, if you would say to the mountain, if I would say to the mountain, even if Dave would say to the mountain, right? Where is Fenton? If Fenton would say to the mountain, you know little Fenton. Anybody who says to the mountain, all right, you don't belong here. Get up, be removed, and uh, let's see, where can we cause you to disappear? Oh, uh, be thrown into the sea. And doesn't doubt, oh, so glad Jesus said this. Doesn't doubt in his heart, not his head, his heart. Do you know you can... You can act in total faith in God from your heart and still have doubts in your head. Well, I'll tell you what, you walk with God long enough and you get acquainted with his ways and his goodness 
and his mercy, and you see him come through because you chose to go beyond what your natural mind could just figure and reason out. Most people only have faith as far as reason allows them to have faith, but not you and not me. We are men, women, children, adults, mature people of God, faith in God. We believe God. Like Paul on the ship. Like Paul on the ship. He said, do you know the Lord spoke to Paul, or Paul perceived rather, which is a way that the Lord speaks, but it's not, it's not as, a, as direct sometimes like, well, the Lord said this to me. It's more like an inward knowing, an inward witness. He said, before they even started on the journey, he said, sirs, I perceive that this voyage is going to be perilous and have a lot of damage. Let's wait. What does he know? He's a minister. Like uh, Dave helps me a lot with my vehicles, and I think all the time, like, I'll say, okay, Dave, I was working on this, and I think, he must think, oh, no. Have you shook pastor's hand? You know. So I, I try to keep my hands like a man's hand, a little rough, you know. But I had a pastor in Michigan. I was at his church for nine years, and I'd shake his hand, and it was like soft as a baby's butt. And then you're like, huh. You know, so I try not to be just that kind of a pastor. Like, I, I want to understand how this stuff works and, and do some of the other things, you know. But, you know, they must have thought this about Paul. Like, these are rugged sailors who know the sea. They know the weather, the winds, the seasons. You know, they could look at the sky and tell you what's going to happen better than probably most weather forecasters today. Maybe not, you know, the weather forecasters. They do have a lot of future stuff. Don't get in the flesh, just stay in the spirit. And so, so uh, you know, there, Paul says, I perceive this is, this is dangerous. We should not be doing this. Remember that? And so they consulted among each other, and they're like, we need to, we need to go out now, you know. And uh, so they did, and, of course, the storm came, and then they're like, I don't remember how many days it said that they were, like, tossed to and fro. They saw not the sun. They saw not the stars. And they were just being tossed to and fro. So much so that they started taking the stuff that the ship was carrying, the material stuff, and started throwing it overboard. Because they're thinking, we're going to die. And it says, when all hope was lost, that we should be saved. Paul emerged from below the deck of the ship. Everybody's lost hope. I, I, I'm, we're going to talk about what you believe this morning, but you realize you can't believe anything from God if you have lost hope. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. Abraham, in uh, Romans chapter 4, uh, I believe it's verse 18, who against hope 
believed in hope. What does that mean? Well, Abraham was like 99 and Sarah was 90, I think, or something like that, right? They weren't trying to make a baby. Why? They had no hope. That time has passed. That's not for us anymore. And in their case, we're too old. Well, you could think of that for having a child, but nobody raised your hand. But how many times have you thought that for other things? My time has passed. It's too late for me. You know, if you don't have faith in hope like Abraham had faith in hope, you'll never have the faith to do it because faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance, the materiality, the reality, the tangibility of the things that you hope for. You must hope. You must have hope. Hope is a expectation about the future, but it's not any kind of expectation. It is an uh, expectation of good in the future because fear is an expectation in the future. But fear is an expectation of bad in the future. But hope is an expectation for good. And Bible hope is a confident expectation that the Lord is doing good things in my future. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when all hope was lost, Paul emerged from the bottom of the ship and he said, wherefore? In the King James. Why say wherefore? He's like, you know what wherefore means? You know, like, seeing the condition that we're in, it's kind of dark out here. We can't see the stars. We can't even navigate. We don't even know exactly where we're at. We haven't seen the sun for days. We're being tossed and battered. Do you ever feel like that? Like what's happening to you? Oh, you got your footing. Oh, I almost got my 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 footing. Like the, you know, Paul said there was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet me. Like every time you try to come forward, you know, buffet him. Well, I'm going to make a step. Oh, so you take a step. Oh, take a step. Oh. Well, they're in this condition for days and days and days. The sun didn't even shine. Have you ever been in that condition for days and days and days? Spiritually? You, can, you can't even see? You know, you can give up all hope that the situation will ever change. You can give up all hope that God's ever going to come through. But Paul showed up with a message from God. They all believed they were going to die. So much did they believe it that they cast away hope. 
They threw hope overboard. You know, Hebrews, or was it 619 says, hope, the anchor for your soul, which enters into within the veil. In other words, hope goes into the very presence of God, beyond the veil of your flesh, and grabs hold of everything God has to say. So they despaired uh, even of life, and Paul says, hey, wherefore, sirs, I believe God. It's going to be just like he said. There was an angel of the Lord who stood by me this night and said, I've given you the lives of all those that are with you, but the ship is going to be lost. But you won't lose any, any person that's with you. Everyone will live. What happened when he said that? I guess they came to an end of their knowledge. So what happened? Of course, they were uh, shipwrecked. The ship um, hit the rocks, and they got off on boards, went to shore, built a fire, and then uh, a snake bit Paul. They were gathering sticks to build a fire, and they just like, oh, like the world says, oh, we knew it was your fault. Even God is sending snakes to get you. Well, James actually says, in the book of James, you know, when you're tempted or tested or tried, don't let any man say this is from God because God cannot be tempted and does not tempt. So the tests and the trials, the snakes and the shipwrecks are not from God. In fact, if they had listened to God, they would have not only had their lives saved, look at the mercy of God, but they would have saved the ship and everything on the ship. The money, the value, uh, financial value. They wouldn't even have lost it if they would have listened to the one who was speaking for God. Or if they themselves had sought the Lord. So the Lord didn't cause the storm and the Lord didn't cause the snake. The Lord delivered them from the storm. The Lord delivered them from the snake. What do you think about it? What do you believe about it? Okay. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Hey, praise the Lord. I'm going to start with verse 17 in the New King James, just to give it context, but then we will uh, focus in right there on verse 23. So Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, he's talking to Jesus, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. <laughs> I guess as a parent, it just hits you as funnier because you're kind of like a lot of people are trying to get their kids to stop talking so much. <laughs> oh, you give them like some sugary thing and it's like... <laughs> um, who has a mute spirit... And whenever it seizes him or grabs him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes at the teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples. It almost sounds like a seizure, doesn't it? He spoke to your disciples 
that they should cast it out, but they couldn't. I spoke to your disciples to cast it out, but they couldn't. I had a problem, and I sought you the best way I knew how, but it didn't work. Verse 19, he answered him and said, Oh, it's okay. Everything will work out just fine. So he, he answered him. The man's like, I need help, my son, I need help. I went to your disciples, asked them to cast it out, but they couldn't. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? <laughs> how long is this going to take? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. He sounds a little disgusted. You know, Jesus, Jesus has emotions. And Jesus is not satisfied with everything that's happening in your life. And Jesus isn't satisfied with every way that you're acting. You say, well, I'm not smoking and I'm not cussing and I'm not getting drunk and I'm not sleeping around. You should study what the Bible says about what God thinks about doubt. And worry. Well, worry is a great manifestation of doubt. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, the romantic view of the Christian life is, if someone that's possessed is brought to the believer who knows their rights and privileges and authority, that spirit's just going to leave them immediately. But they brought, he brought this uh, mute child to Jesus. And from the, so don't read it like how we're reading it. Read it like it's brand new. You've never seen it for the first time. They take this child to Jesus. He takes this child and it looks like everything gets a lot worse. You know, I was with a minister friend of mine in New Mexico years ago. And, uh, and uh, you know, this woman, she came and she's in the service and she has an oxygen tank. And uh, he said, you know you're healed? Do you know you're healed? Run around the church. And it was probably four times the size of this whole gym. We're just in half of it here. Run around the church. She looked at him like, so she starts, she grabs her little oxygen tank. I'm going to go here. She grabs her little oxygen tank. She's like, and she's probably like, I don't know, she looked like, oh boy, I don't want to say an age, I might offend somebody, but anyhow, let's say 80 something. So she's like, but she's like, and she starts getting more purple, losing more color. So she finally gets like halfway around, he goes back to her, 
he just, he just grabs her hand. Give me your hand. He just grabs her hand. He starts dragging her. He's like, come on. You are healed. You are healed. No, she looked like she's getting worse and worse. Do you know about three quarters of the way around that next time, all of a sudden, she got a strength from God himself, and she threw off her, her oxygen, whatever those tubes are, you know. She took those off, and she started running, and now she's running in her own strength. Well, you know, you could look at that and say, like, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is of God. You know, you'd do the same thing if you saw Jesus minister, apparently, because that's what happened with this young boy. Have faith in God. Lay hold of God's faithfulness. Put your trust in God. So, Jesus asked the Father. So he's, you know, on the ground, foaming to the mouth, becomes stiff. He said, um... How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And he oftentimes uh, has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Well, this is a pretty severe case. Is your case more severe? Okay. Is anything too difficult for God? Put yourself in here. Put your situation in here. If he did it for this little boy and this little boy's father, he will do it for you. If he ever had compassion on one woman, on one man, he will have compassion on you. If you don't believe that, you will never experience his compassion most likely. The reason you're even saved, if you're saved, is because of the mercy of God and the compassion of God to reveal to you your need of Him. You've been given the measure of faith that you can't even have the ability to believe. What a miracle and gift and grace from God Himself because He loves you. And His love for you is not based upon your actions. His love for you is not based on how many bad things you don't do or how many good things you do. His love for you is based on His love itself that He is love. That clock's not right. Okay. And he said from a childhood, verse 22, and often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if, so listen to what happened because his first approach to God failed. You know, uh, back, I don't know how long ago it was now, probably like 15 years ago, something like that. I got my private pilot's license. Well, uh, my friends kind of tricked me because they knew I always wanted to fly and one of my friends was a pilot and so uh, the other one went later on to become a pilot and so they bought me one of these introductory flights, you know, on my birthday years ago. 
It was like 50 or $60. Well, all they did was like wet your palate to then spend thousands of dollars to get your license. Like, oh, look what we did for you. Got me started on the path. Anyhow, well, you get up there, your introductory flight. If you ever had an introductory flight, you know, the instructor, you know, puts you in the left seat, which is where the pilot is, and he sits in the right seat, so he's like the co-pilot seat. And he says, all right, you know, run your throttle up and uh, go down the runway. So we start going down the runway. It's like, grab the yoke. Okay, now pull back on the yoke. And you're kind of like, are you not going to do anything? So you'll pull back on the yoke, and all of a sudden, you know, your rotation speed, but he doesn't, you know, tell you all those details, but, you know, you find out later. And so you just, you pull back, and, well, you start flying. You're like, I am flying this airplane. This is amazing. Like Peter walking on the water. I am walking on the water. You know, as soon as he started thinking, I am walking on the water. Then his unrenewed mind starts kicking in because of his environment. Because why? Well, he, he started seeing the waves and the wind. Well, you don't really see the wind, but he saw the effects of the wind on the water, right? So he got his eyes off of, say it louder, his eyes off of, Jesus. he got his eyes off of, Jesus. he got his eyes off of, Jesus, Jesus is the word. He got his eyes off the word. He got his eyes off of Jesus. And what happened? He began to sink. So I'm flying around. We do our little flight, whatever. Start coming back. Well, he lets me like start to try to land, but then he really lands the plane. So I found out like the most difficult part of flying, just generally, there's other difficult parts, especially getting instrument training and other things, but just let me go with the illustration if you're a pilot. Okay. And so one of the most difficult parts is landing. It's okay, like almost anybody can take the thing off, but how do you land it? Well, it takes some skill to land it. And you start learning, you know, you, you do it wrong, you, you bounce up like this, you're bouncing down the runway. You get in ground effect and you're trying to like bring it down, but you've got too much speed, ground speed, you're going this way too fast. You're not gonna hit the ground because you've got like this bubble of cushion of air that's stopping you from hitting the ground. So there's all these different things, techniques, that you really have to learn how everything operates so that you can effectively land the airplane. So just because you got an airplane or you're in an airplane and you can take that thing off and you can fly around and maneuver doesn't mean you can land it. So just because you're a believer and you've begun in the things of God and, and, and you're, you're going a certain direction, you're like, oh, oh. You know what I saw in the Word? I saw healings in the Word. So I'm going and I, I'm receiving my healing. But you know, you might be like this man. You had a faith failure. Like Pastor Mark has that great example. I love it, you know, being a pilot. You know, they, you, you crashed. And they pulled out the little black box. And they said, what did he say? And the last thing that was on that little black box says, looks like we're going to crash. Looks like we're going down. Looks like it's not going to work. Because well, what you say, you have what you say. 
It's going to be a two-weeker here, something like that. So he said to him, this happens since he's been a child. In other words, I've seen him do this from when he was young. This happens all the time. This is how it happens. I can pretty much tell you what's going to trigger him. I can pretty much tell you uh, what's going to happen. I've learned how to protect him from the fire. I've learned how to protect him from the water. But I brought him to your disciples who represent you, who represent God. And they couldn't do anything about it. So what does Jesus have to change before Jesus can do anything? What he believes. According as you believe, that's what you will have. If Jesus can't change his belief or doesn't get him to make his own choice to believe what Jesus says, Jesus couldn't help him. Mark chapter 6, verse 5, in his own hometown, he couldn't do many mighty things because of their unbelief. You can believe, and whether you know it or not, you are believing right now. And the reason that you're in the situation that you're in, the reason your life is the way that it is, is it's based on what you have believed and how you've acted on that belief. Now, you can't stop evil from coming at you, but you can overcome it by faith. So you may have a circumstance that happens to you yesterday that, you know, uh, is nothing of your doing. It could be the intervention of the devil. It could just be fleshly people. It could just be uh, weakness and uh, a tiredness. But you know, if you're going to live in that lifestyle, if you're going to live in that for a long time, it's because of what you have believed. And so what I experience right now is based on what I have been believing. What you experience is based on what you have been believing. And so Jesus is saying to this man, Jesus loves this man. Jesus loves this child. He knows if I can't get him to believe something different than what he's been believing, I can't help him. He can't get freedom. So what does he say? Listen. Listen to the love of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, this is verse 23, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, this is Jesus saying to you this morning, Jesus saying this to me this morning, if you can believe, say, if I can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. If you can believe. If you can believe. You want to see impossibility vanish? Believe God. How do you believe God? Well, you got to find out what he says about it. You can't just, well, I have a feeling. It, it feels like, it smells like to me. No, you, you must believe God. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to finish real quick here. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is dealing with worry and fear that God will not provide for your daily needs. Right? That's, you, every, many people know verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all of these things will be added to you. Remember, there he's talking about like the birds of the air, the flowers. And he says, listen to this. Can you believe, do you believe that God takes care of those flowers? And every season those flowers come back up. Do you believe that God takes care of the food for those birds? I think King James says they don't toil or spin. I don't know what that all means, but you know, they're not working for it. They just go and get the food. Because why? There's a provider. Well, let me ask you, can you believe that God takes care of those birds? Do you believe that God takes care of those birds? Well, what's he saying? Well, he's talking to people that are believing the wrong thing. What are they believing? Well, they're believing that they're not going to have clothes to wear, a place to live, or food to eat. That's their belief. Why else would he be teaching this? Fear has gripped them. Fear has come upon them. And Jesus is giving them God's words so they can believe something else. They still must choose what they're going to believe. If it's your heart, you believe. It's with your heart, you believe. You have lots of thoughts. How's it going to work? I don't understand how it's going to work. You know, Brother Higgins used to say, like, uh, thoughts were firing off in my mind like machine guns fire bullets. I can't even do it that fast. Yeah, like that. Right? So sometimes thoughts come that fast. It's not going to work. What about this? And, and what happens then? All these fears start to come. All these seeing the future without God in it show up. Well, you have to speak the word. What do you believe? Do you believe that? Just, just, just take it for a second. Who in the world is provided for all those birds? What did Jesus say about that? Then he brings it home to us. He says, okay, you believe that. I got you. I got you. You believe that. Even in the realm of reason, you just reason that out, okay? Are you not much more valuable than they? Look at the mercy of God. He's helping us. He's helping them. Are you not of much more value than those birds and animals and uh, plants. Don't you have much more value? Well, yeah. Well, I believe I have much more value. Wait a second. So I believe God's providing for those birds and animals, whatever. I believe God's providing for them. And I also believe that I have much more value to God than those, those uh, things, right? What do you do? Well, then... Why don't you believe that the same way God provides for them who have less value than you, that God now provides for me? So now what happens the second that you, believe, you change that belief? You know what happens? The atmosphere changes. I am no longer overwhelmed. I, I, I'm no longer like uh, fretting and having, uh, oh no, what's going to happen? What's going to no. Now, those thoughts may try to come, but what happens? Well, you just take it back. No, I I know he, yeah, he takes it. He does take care of the the birds of the air. And I am more valuable than they are. He will take care of me. 
God will take care of me. You can actually get a boldness about it. God will take care of me. So Jesus said to this man, if you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to you when you believe. If you can believe, have faith in God, lay hold of the very faith of God, and then, then what does Jesus say? What does this man say? Immediately, in New King James, it says, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Sometimes you'll have to say with tears. You are a three-part being. We separate the three parts. Well, you might actually be more than that, but let's not make anybody stumble. But anyhow, uh, you are at least a three-part being. Well, we separate them so we can study them, but I'm sorry, your emotions are attached to you, to your spirit. Your body, you're inside of your body. Is anybody outside your body right now? (laughs) Immediately the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I said that wrong. Because it says he cried out. So immediately he didn't say, Lord, I I believe. Help my unbelief. No, he cried out. You study cried out in the Bible? That means he made a strong declaration. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He, He wasn't wimpy about it. He said, Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Uh, Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. So even after Jesus spoke the word, there was a little bit of disturbance. And he became as one dead. Oh, look, Jesus, now you killed him. So that many said, he is dead. He's dead. Look, he's dead. Even Jesus couldn't do anything. He's dead. (laughs) But Jesus took him by the hand, the dead man, who wasn't really dead, and lifted him up, and he rose up. You know, he did the same thing with Peter when Peter started sinking in the water. And if you start sinking in the water, if you become as one dead... He will reach down and he will grab your hand and he will pick you up. He will set you upon a solid rock. Let the weak say, I'm weak. No, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. Let the bound say, I'm free. Because of what I've done? No, because of what the Lord has done. We are those who believe God. What are you believing? Why are you believing what you're believing? What has caused you to believe what you're believing? If it doesn't come from God, you're experiencing less than the plan of God for your life. God has good plans for you. He really does. 
He really, really does. That's not just a saying. I mean, it may just be a saying to you. That is reality and truth. God has a good plan for your life. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And he has designed a way that we can overcome our flesh. We can overcome every demon, every devil, every wrong thought pattern. And it's through receiving the seed of the word in our hearts and watering it with the word daily. The washing of water by the word will change your life, will set you free. And you'll look back at your life today and the challenges that you know are in front of you today, and you'll look back and you will laugh at the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the provision of God if you'll dare to believe him. I dare you. Just believe what he says about you. Just believe what he says about your situation. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you, you take that word. You find a word about what your challenge is, where you're at, what's going on. You find it in the scriptures, and you start reading that and reading that and reading it, and then you didn't read it enough. Read it some more and some more and some more. And while you're reading it, really you're better if you feed on it. Like, like if you're going to have a, your favorite food and you want to savor the flavor. So you find those scriptures and you savor the flavor of those scriptures and you let those become a part of you so that if I were to come up and touch you like a sponge saturated with water, you're saturated with those words. So when anybody touches you, all of a sudden it, it comes out, I'm healed by his stripes. Did you know his stripes heal me? Do you know what Jesus did for me? It was 2,000 years ago before I even was a twinkle in my parents' eye. He healed me. He set me free. The devil had a plan, but God's plan is greater. So you receive those words. Those words are God's life. Those words will set you free, make you free, and keep you free. Amen? Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus, this all comes from Jesus, knowing Jesus. The only way to know God is to know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you know he is real. He is alive. He is risen from the dead. And he's doing the same thing today that he's always done. He's healing. He's delivering. He's saving, he's providing, and he wants to come into your life. But he loves you. Because he loves you, he will never force you. But he will give you an opportunity. And right now, this is one of those opportunities in your life. You have an opportunity right now to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I can't make Jesus the Lord of your life your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father. No one can make Jesus your Lord but you. You don't receive Jesus as Lord. My children don't receive Jesus as Lord because I'm a Christian or because I'm a pastor. Every, to everyone that received, John said, everyone that received him, he gave the right to be the children of God. It is an individual decision. You and I must decide. And this right now, you're making a decision whether you recognize it or not. You're making a decision either to go with Jesus Christ, to receive him as your Lord, or you're making a decision to put it off. And that's a decision to not receive him. So you are making a decision whether you recognize it or not. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, I just want you to slip up your hand and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to pray after me. And God's going to 
hear your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer, and he's going to change your life. Just slip up your hand really high so I can see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins, to make me right with you, and to give me life. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I have decided to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for removing my sins from me and for giving me your life. Father God, thank you for making me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.